Hi everyone, this is Haley Kelleton from Inside Scientific, the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Today's episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Stefano Gaburo, Scientific Director for Technoplast, and Dr. Brun Alfaki, Professor of Laboratory Medicine and Professor Emeritus in Anatomy at the Karolinska Institute. Throughout this conversation, Stefano and Brun discuss continuous home cage monitoring and how moving behavioral testing to a setting that is familiar to the animals can decrease concerns of validity and animal welfare. Let's jump in. Brun, I'm going to actually bring this question up to your attention. I know you did touch on the number of mice housed in your cages a few times, ranging from one to five. But the question here was, is there more than one mouse in a cage typically? So I don't know, would you mind just touching a little bit about on your multi-animal housing setup? Single housing is, uh, is uh, something that we should refrain from as far as possible. So situation where we do uh, studies or uh, so on single housed animals is quite limited. So the common situation is that you have two or more animals in a cage. Right. And then uh, maybe a follow-up question to this was about single animal housing or isolation housing. Is it more stressful than a cage change or the electromagnetic fields? According to my own experience, I because we have had them in and out, the electromagnetic field, we can we cannot record any impact on the animals by the electromagnetic field. The cage change. The thing is that uh, uh, when it comes at least to to uh, combination <laughs> of males and females or females, so the natural habitat for mice there is, is that they 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 stay in groups. With males, it's a little bit different. Usually they stay with a number of females in the wildlife and they compete for, for dominance if another male show up. But when we hold them in, in a standard laboratory setting, we are usually able to, to group or to keep the males also in groups. Okay, wonderful. Single housing should therefore be, be considered, especially for, for females, as stressful. Okay. Stefano, the next one is for you. The heat maps that you showed, do they refer to single cages or to averaged out data with many cages? In other terms, can you assess the within strain variability? Yeah, I think in the paper, the lab animals paper I showed before, there were heat maps for, there was an example of one cage, but there are also in the supplementary, all the heat maps for all the cages, but basically the one that are shown in the main figure, uh, showing that basically that the CD1 mice are more active. There is one cage and you can then assess the within strain, qualitatively within strain uh, variability. The cage change response was an average of six cages because there was only one line, but otherwise there was one heat map per cage. So one thing that's important to remember is that if any activity is not timed by an external trigger or is a synchronicity across cages, Averaging is not good because it will take away what is happening in the cage when, when, when the activity is not synchronized. So if you record, a, for example, a cage change or lights on, the synchronized activity. So you, then I think you will see the same thing with average as with, with the original one cage recordings. But when you look at, for example, the slow oscillations that we discovered, we would not have seen them 
we had used average cross cages because they are not synchronous. Okay. Another good question here. There was a mention of good translation of data to humans related to the decom decomposition analysis. Is there a scientific paper on this that you can share? I can certainly do that, but I didn't prepare for it. So there are uh, a number of papers I could make available through the organizers here because I don't have it on top of my head. I don't have it, but yes. <laughs> That's great. Much of this data appears similar to David M. Lawson's work in the early 2000s using, using radio telemetry. Are you familiar with this work? I think I can take this. I used to work with the radio telemetry a lot before joining Technoplast, and I'm familiar with that work. Basically, it was work done in rats with different uh, conditions, measuring blood pressure. I think uh, here the difference mainly is that we don't implant anything in the animals, even if they, you know, it's really nice that things are reproducible across uh, rodents between mice and rats. And basically, in radiotelemetry, typically you will keep the animal single house, which is a kind of no-go, especially in Europe uh, for, you know, research. And we can find the same findings or similar findings in mice without having touch them basically and leave them in the home cage. This is what I can uh, say. Great. I think another thing that's important is I do appreciate telemetry because it provides a, a range of information that is uh, readily available, but it's not really scalable. You cannot run 2,000 cages with this. And, and so you have to choose the technique most appropriate for the questions you're asking. And I think that uh, these systems should be regarded as complementary rather than competing. Okay. And while we have the topic of rats and other rodents, is there a system available for ro for rats or can you use the DVC? Not rats? yet. We are we have it for mice. We have investigated for rats, but it's not yet ready. For now, at the moment, it's just for mice, IVC cages uh, from Technoblast. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Last question today. The B6 has been well characterized. How translatable is that to other strains or stocks of mice? I think that's uh, a key thing that has been under um, investigation over some time. So there are a number of papers uh, characterizing a multitude of strains and comparing that. The thing with the B6, of course, is that the, we know so much about it. We know so much about genetic variances uh, in substrains of B6 and so on. And they were then favored as the uh, strain to systematically uh, do uh, genetic manipulations on. So <laughs> I would say that when I, for example, when we, we obtain new observations, we ha you have to expand it. You have to go to an upper strain. You have to go move on further, uh, like you do in industry. So it's, uh, you start with something that is quite well defined because it makes it easy for you. You control a lot of, of uh, possible parameters that way. But then you have to be able to generalize, you have to use uh, that pipeline of expansion. So you move on to upper strain, perhaps wide strains, different species and so on. I think if I can just add uh, also the tendency of the pharmaceutical companies is really to have a battery of different strains. Uh, again, yeah. as Brun mentioned, mice, rats, and then, uh, you know, larger species and try to find the same findings according to the biological question, which has been asked and try to see whether it's uh, reproducible or not. I know ideally, you know, if you have uh, mice that you get from the outside, you would like to have them, you know, characterize and know that they have a similar pattern. I mean, it happened to me in the past that I was working with uh, seizure and all of a sudden I got a specific uh, mouse from 
one provider and all of a the sudden they didn't have a seizure anymore because they came from a specific, specific barrier. And this is, you know, you don't know from upfront and uh, this is, could impact your research. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you will tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work, offer tips, tricks, and best practices, but most of all, share science. Don't forget to subscribe.